Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Amber. My vision for this podcast is to showcase experts in the keto carnivore community, as well as those who have compelling stories that inspire and give others hope. My wish is that no one has to suffer like I did. If you find value in this podcast, please consider subscribing and hitting that notification button. And as always, feel free to share. Thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Maria Emmerich. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you. I think you're just the coolest person ever. I don't know. I'm sure everybody probably knows who you are, but oh my goodness. I mean, she is an author of multiple books. I think I have them all. Some of them find, yes. I have actually met Maria in person, and she's awesome. Um, and gosh, you coach, uh, you play the guitar, you, you hunt, you, you kayak with whales and you spend part of your time in Hawaii, part of your time in Wisconsin. I mean, you were just go, go, going, always creating recipes and spending the coolest time with your boys. I love that. All that at, outdoors stuff. I want to know where did this interest in all the outdoorsy stuff come from? Have you always been like that? You know, it's interesting that you're saying like all of these things. I feel like I wasted a big part of my time being unhealthy, unwell, depressed, not wanting to do things when I was younger before I changed my lifestyle. And that's why a lot of people are like, wow, you've, is it okay to do this long-term? I'm like, I've been doing it for 23 years this is how I eat and I'm not dead yet. This is the only way my kids eat. They're not dead yet. Um, but I feel like I need to make up for lost time. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> you know, I wasted too much time just sad and depressed. And man, when people don't think that what they put in their body, I mean, we're an input output system. You know, what you put in, you're going to put out and radiate. And I feel like I have so much life I want to make up for. So yeah, but um, I grew up in, living in Wisconsin. I, I, I grew up in North Central Wisconsin, which is uh, where everybody hunts, everybody fishes. Um, you know, the winters get long, but you still go outside and you ice fish. You do, you know, all of these things. I, I, I grew up in the woods. I grew up, I mean, we had um, a cabin, which was more of a shack with an outhouse, um, you know, like living, living in the woods. We really, really did. And um, you know, I grew up where in the era where we had one television and it had like two channels, you had to go up to turn it, you know, yep. and whatever was on the television was what my parents wanted to watch. So I didn't want to watch that. So I was outside well until bedtime and yeah, my dad, he owned a plumbing business, plumbing and heating, and he worked all the time. And the only time I could get alone with him or to do quality things with was hunting because he loved hunting and fishing. And so I took up bow hunting. We didn't really get into gun hunting that much, but I took up bow hunting to be with him and I, I still love to fish and hunt. So yeah. how old were you when, when you kind of started that? Oh, uh, you basically have a bow and arrow when you can, you know, I had a toy bow and arrow, you know, I had a, a target bow and arrow when I was just maybe five, really little. Um, and I would sit with him in the tree stand up until I uh, was 11 years old, I took hunter safety. And then legally, I could hunt at age 12. Um, so 
yeah, that's just what we did, you know? Awesome. Well, as you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about your hunting background because I find it fascinating. And I think it's really cool, especially uh, for somebody who kind of follows a carnivore way of eating uh, or at least a heavy protein based keto anyway, if nothing else, um, to experience that whole thing. I, for one, have never done that, and I probably never will, although I have great respect for those who do, and I grew up in a family like that. Matter of fact, my boys all hunt, and they are bow hunters, so I know, you know, enough about that to be dangerous, but not enough to be, you know, <laughs> whatever, so I think it's really cool. Uh, I, I want to know all about that, like, why you still do that. I see you with your bow. So that is something that is still very ingrained in you and very important to you. Why? You know, I think we're so removed from what our food source is. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a lot of hate mail. I mean, a lot of yeah. mean comments calling me a witch. Um, and, you know, I won't say that, <laughs> but they were calling me this devil person because I killed an animal. But you know what's funny? When I post pictures of like catching a muskie, nobody cares. Why is it that a fish is less of an animal than a cute deer? I don't know. But what's interesting is people that said this and that gave me this hate, um, I kind of just like, whatever. My husband looked into their account. He's like, they're eating a burger on their last picture. And someone even wrote me and said, Maria, why don't you be like the rest of us humane people and buy your meat at the store? It's like, really? Because that cow had a terrible life, most likely. You know, this deer had a beautiful life roaming my woods with oak trees. But honestly, Amber, you know what? We all think that these wild animals are all grass fed. They're not. You know, like 10 miles down the road, there's soybean fields. And what's funny is, I ride bike and they're, I love to ride my bicycle and they have signs by these soybean fields saying Monsanto roundup ready crops. I'm like, you're proud of that. You're proud of that. I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, but, um, so wild animals, are they really grass fed? Eh, probably not. But, um, when you buy grass fed beef, you have to make sure you're buying grass finished beef if that's really what you care about because mm. all cows are grass fed in the beginning all of them are you know so let's just get over that um but we do what we can we do what we can um but when we were we don't have a four-wheel or anything and um i when i shot the deer it went down a huge ravine and i'm like oh dang it <laughs> and my husband has lyme disease pretty bad and so, you know, it's, it's touch and go. Some days are really bad. And that's why he eats hundred percent carnivore. And that's why he started it because if he has, uh, he had some plant matter. So we were eating um, with family and there was too much like raw cabbage or something on his burger. I don't know. They made it all fancy. And he was just being polite and he mm -hmm. ate it. And man, he hurt for days after that. I don't know. And people think that we're a little crazy, but it's like, he does not, he never complains. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Lyme disease totally changed life. life. Anyway, it's really hard to drag a deer. And so my boys had to help us. We, I mean, not to get too graphic, but we quartered it up where um, it landed or where it, where it died and we honored it. We respected that life. 
And then we had to quarter it and carry every single piece back to the house. And my boys were like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. I'm like, this is how people lived. It is so oh, much work. This is how people ate. Yep. And you know what? They respected that dinner so mm. much more mm -hmm. um, because half the time dinner's just thrown at them and they're like, yay or nay, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. They didn't say any of that because they respected how hard that was because I sat, I mean, if you, you know, if you put the hours in uh, how many, you know, your kids sit all the time and they put their time in the woods. I didn't shoot a deer the year before because I never had a decent shot. So you sit for hours on end and you might, you might see a deer some days you don't see any, um, but you might not get a good shot. And I was just blessed enough to get a good shot. And, um, that animal lived a long, beautiful life. And what people don't realize, you know, people are sitting back there. I know you're all carnivores, so you're probably not. But if you're like, oh man, that's so, you know, harsh, what she's saying. Cruel. 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 That's, you know, that's what I got. But there's something called a limiting factor. And a limiting factor is the, basically the capacity of the herd that we can handle at one moment. So the herd of the deer, there's so many right now that I have 12 deer tags, 12, which I've never had that many. Maybe I'll get five deer tags. This year I have 12 because the herd is so big. Well, what happens is you have limiting factors and that's either uh, starvation, weather, uh, hunters, hitting, being hit by cars. And I live in a pretty, um, you know, just outside a big town, really big town, right outside of basically Minneapolis. You can see Minnesota from our house. If you don't have hunters, you're going to have a lot more animals hit by cars, mm -hmm. whether totaling your car, hurting you in the car accident, hurting your children in the car accident. I've been, I've hit deer before and it's awful and it, it hurts you. Mm -hmm. And then the deer dies on the side of the road in vain because nobody, nobody thinks it's okay to pick up roadkill, right? You know, I mean, some people do it. I know they do, yes, they do. but, um, you know, most, a lot of people don't. And so it goes to waste or, you know, it'll feed like coyotes and stuff that come along, but for someone to hunt and use every piece of that animal, like even the mm -hmm. scraps, that's how we feed our dog. We feed our dog, the raw beef, the raw, raw diet. So it's just raw beef cut up. Um, so every piece of that animal was used, you know? Yeah, I do. And like I said, I, I've been raised that way. Um, my boys just got back from Colorado elk hunting, uh, I think uh, the end of September. I can't remember anyway, September somewhere in there. And uh, my son did get an elk. He, awesome. he stalked that puppy and he shot it with, with a bow. And that's so, hard in the mountains it because is. you really have to drag everything out. They were high up to very high. But uh, they <laughs> this time they got a pack animal to take down the elk because last year it killed them, killed them. My husband's like, I think my days of dragging an elk off a mountain are, are kind of going to be limited. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a my, lot of work. It is a lot of work. My dad went this last September too, um, and he he's almost 70 now. And he, he sadly didn't get a deer, uh, an elk, but he was training for months before that he started training 
you know, in the beginning of the summer and he would hike up the steep, he has, they have a steep driveway by the shack, the cabin I was telling you about. And so he goes up and down and then he'll add a pack to get more weight and more weight and more weight until he's in good shape. And it's a great way to get in shape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my boys, they normally do that. Um, but with COVID and all that kind of stuff, and they, they weren't going to the gym because they were closed and all yeah. that mess. So it really kind of put them behind and they just didn't take the initiative to do what they need to do at home as much. My husband like wore a pack, but we don't really have hills where we are. We kind of, you know, it kind of goes up a little bit, but there's nothing all that. But uh -huh. he would put, you know, weight on his back and he would, you know, do that to try to get ready. But they were not ready this year. They just weren't. So yeah, a pack animal. <laughs> yeah, but, but elk meat. Hey, got elk meat. So there you go. That's so awesome. what, have you ever been on any of those special hunts like elk hunts or, you know, caribou or anything like that? I haven't. Um, my dad goes often. My uh, younger brother does too. Um, but I, I guess I'm, you know, like, you know how it is. I'm so busy with work. It's much easier for me to go out in my backyard. We live on a lot of acreage. So I just go out in my yard and I'll, I usually do it before anybody wakes up. Um, it's the first thing I do in the morning, go out to the woods for a couple hours, come back. I make breakfast for the kids um, and kind of go about my day that way. It's much easier. Uh, I do love to travel, but um, when I am traveling, it's usually like to speaking engagements or different things like that. And um, so just things got away with me that way. So no, I haven't been on a fishing trip like that or a hunting trip. I was supposed to do this really cool halibut fishing trip when I spoke mm. on the low carb cruise up in Alaska. And it was so windy, we almost got blown off the boat that we were fishing on. And so they canceled at the last minute. So I that was the only chance I got kind of close to doing it. Oh man, I was going to ask you, have, have you ever thought about uh, trying a, a dream hunt in Alaska? That, that's what my boys are thinking about doing, I think the year after next, not this year, but the next one, I believe, oh, this coming year, like 2022, I think. Yeah. And so they're, they're kind of starting to talk about that a little bit. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> that does sound awesome. I will probably wait till my kids can hunt. Um, and that's only a few years away. Um, but I do want them to respect it also because I'm glad that this was the biggest buck I shot. So I was very proud. And that's why I did post it on Instagram. I took it down because of all the hate I got. Um, but I'm glad it took me until I was 40 to shoot this big buck. Because if you shoot a huge buck when you're, you know, 16 or a big elk or a big moose at 16, it's all downhill from here. You know? <laughs> You're just like, yeah, then they're done that. I mean, it's something that you should, it's called hunting for a reason. I tell my kids it's called hunting, not catching because, you know, if it was or same with fishing, it's called fishing, not, you know, catching because it's hard and you have to put your time in and respect uh, how much work it is. So, yeah, that's for sure. So how many times have you gotten a deer? Can, is it so many you don't even remember anymore or is it I don't gun hunt I only bow hunt and I don't take more than I need so it's only if I get one a year I get one a year um two what was it two years ago I was I spoke in 
you know, hunting is, you know, from mid-September, bow hunting is until the end of December, basically. Um, two years ago, I spoke in Spain, Russia. Uh, I, I was speaking everywhere throughout that, you know, hunt, good hunting season. The best time is during the ruts when they're, you know, mating season, which is like the end of October, early November for us. And I was speaking in Russia and Spain at that time. So I didn't get one that year, but other times, I mean, just about one a year. And even if it's, um, if it's just a year that we need meat, um, I'll just take a doe. I'm not gonna, you know, take a small buck for that. I would just take a, a doe because that's, um, primarily there's a ton of does by us. And honestly, the bigger the buck, the not as tasty, the meat, it's tougher. Mm -hmm. Um, so a smaller deer, I mean, if you think veal, you know, the smaller deal deer tastes better too. And it's easier for me to carry out. Um, but there was a time when, um, my mom tells stories that they, she grew up so poor that my grandpa, her dad would poach deer and it wasn't because he was doing, trying to be illegal, but it was because they, they needed to eat, you know? Um, and so to this day, she's still not a fan of venison because it brings her back to the memories of being so poor. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so does Craig go hunting with you or do you go by yourself sometimes? Like, how does that work? And, and do, do your boys ever go with you, even though they're not technically hunting? Yeah, um, he has in the past, but he didn't go this year. Um, you know, I'm just so per, super passionate about it. I got him into bow hunting when we got married, but for me, it goes back to my childhood. Um, but yeah, my kids, they'll come with me. And sometimes my son will say, you know, wake me up you know, cause I'll go, you know, at 6am, he's like, wake me up the night before. And I'm like, you sure? Um, he's like, yeah, cause it's cold. I mean, it, it gets real. The best hunting is when the temperature drops a lot and it starts mm -hmm. snowing, but man, you get cold out there. Cause you're not, you're not moving. Like I, I prefer, I run outside. I prefer to run when it's really cold out because I, I just run better than I don't sweat as much, you know, it's just easier. It's a whole cold therapy idea. But when you're sitting there in a tree stand, freezing your butt off and you're not <laughs> seeing anything for an hour, it's hard for a, you know, 11 year old to be patient, but no, they definitely, we, he should, last year he was with me when we shot a nice buck too. And, uh, that was probably my favorite experience. I you know? love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for, for Craig. I'm guessing it's, it's kind of difficult for him sometimes. I know he kind of struggles here and there but uh he seems to be doing much better yeah how is it it's much it's odd because um you know when winter hits and the cold happens um i work with a lot of lyme disease patients and it always gets worse in the winter time the pain hmm. starts back i don't know if it's the lack of sunlight lack of vitamin d whatever it is but when he comes here to hawaii and you're grounding you're touching the i, I haven't put shoes on for a month you know it's just you can go to the grocery store in a bathing suit and no shoes and nobody cares and you'll see it all the time. But here he feels so much better. He can throw football with the kids. It's just amazing how different environments change that. But, you know, if you talk to anybody with Lyme disease, um, I, I mentioned I, when I spoke in Russia after my speech, 
um, they asked me to talk about Lyme disease and Craig's Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And I, this was two years ago. And I was like, really in Russia, you want me to talk about Lyme disease? And out of thousands of people in the audience, you know, 200 people are like, yes, please talk about it. It's affecting my life and someone in my family. Wow. So it's, there's a really great uh, Amazon documentary uh, on Amazon Prime called Under Your Skin. Um, if you want to understand Lyme disease and how it really affects people, um, they linked Parkinson's, MS, all of these different autoimmune diseases back to a Lyme, undiagnosed Lyme disease. Mm. So it's something to be concerned about. That's for sure. And yeah. I am, and I go out in the woods because like you, I, I usually go by myself. I'm not afraid of the mm. woods. Um, I feel safer there than, you know, in a big city. I mean, nothing's going to hurt me there. I, you say boo and, you know, the wolves will run away or whatever's out there. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know what I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well uh oh i i am the i'm not afraid of the animals i'm afraid oh. of the ticks um mm. and it's hard because my boys are of black ethiopian descent and they have very tight curls and to find those little tiny ticks oh. in their hair it's scary because it's harder to find them um and ticks always crawl up and they usually end up you know somewhere around your head. Ooh, I did not know that. Ooh, I guess I haven't been around ticks that much. I mean, I've had some, you know, issues with ticks, but not oh, really in a oh, long time. I remember pulling 16 off at one time. Whoa. Okay. No, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, uh, I, I was wondering about that because with Craig having this issue and y'all living basically in the woods, that's gotta be a little kind of yeah. For, yeah. For a while, I didn't go in the woods. We built this really cool tree fort. I mean, really cool tree fort. And I don't think the kids spent 10 minutes in it because Aww. they have to go through the woods to get into it. And they see how much their dad has changed mm. and health wise. And I don't want to force them to. Um, it's a really cool thing to look at. Um, but even I was very apprehensive about going in the woods and I did stop for a while. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, you get in a car accident, eventually you have to get back in the car or a motorcycle accident, mm -hmm. whatever. You actually have to get back on the bicycle, whatever it is, and keep living your life because being out in nature is like my happy place. Like, mm -hmm. Being stuck inside makes me depressed. It really does. I do not like to be inside. I work outside as much as I can. Um, it just makes me happy. I mean, it just does. Yeah, for sure. Tell me, I, I got to speak with Craig, so I, I kind of know his background and I know what he's been through and it's absolutely horrifying. I honestly had no idea how debilitating Lyme disease is. I had no clue. But where did he get the tick bite do you know like like where were y'all when he got that um it most likely was at the when we were moving um and he would go out and like plot out the house and the land and stuff like that it was he, he kind of pinpoints it to just you know being in the woods a lot and you know walking the new land that we just bought he was so excited mm -hmm. about um but he 
obviously something was going wrong. He was in a lot of pain and he was in a terrible football accident when he was in high school. And he kind of thought the pain was from that. Mm. And I was like, dude, you're only 40. I want you to figure this out because you don't, I would go camping with the boys. I would go fishing with the boys and he'd stay home. And I'm like, you know, I'm not giving you an ultimatum, but like, come on, figure this, figure this crap out. And he got a Lyme disease test and it came back negative. And my publisher said, you know, Maria, um, this was confidential at the time. He was very private about his life, my publisher. And he said, I think your husband has Lyme disease because he knew that I would do all these things with the kids without Craig and that Craig was sometimes bedridden, you know? He said, I think he has Lyme disease. I said, well, he's got tested for that. And it was, it was negative. He goes, did you know that the traditional Lyme blot test is 90% inaccurate? And I was like, wow. He goes, he needs to get an Igenix test. And so he went and had a specific Igenix test, which is uh, expensive. And sure enough, it came back that he had it and he probably had it for the last five years. And when you let it go for that long, Lyme is a very smart disease. Um, It's like these, you know, bugs inside you that it's like syphilis. So when you take antibiotics, the Lyme, the Lyme disease forms these cysts and different things where they hide in while you take the antibiotics. So you think that you feel better and then you stop the antibiotics and guess what? They come back out with a vengeance. And so it was, it's kind of like this game. And so he did three very powerful antibiotics to the point where the pharmacist that he picked up the medication from here in Hawaii called his doctor said, are you sure you want <laughs> wow. to do this to him? And it basically wiped his gut out. Like he had a lot of gut issues after taking all those powerful antibiotics for a long time. And it wrecked, I mean, Lyme disease causes neurological issues, depression. Um, One of his best friends, you know, living in Wisconsin, you have a lot of people that deal with Lyme disease. And one of his best friends from high school um, asked his family, don't leave me alone because I'm that depressed. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to take my life. So at least he had the awareness to tell people, I can't be alone. Please don't, Uh... don't let me be alone. So I mean, it's a, it's, it's like peeling the onion and Craig always talks about, it's like peeling the onion, slowly getting better. And food is a big part of it. When it comes to keeping his pain away, food is, is very important. And that's why getting rid of all of those anti-nutrients is, you know, really important to him. And that's why we are so passionate about, you know, everybody's like, so Maria, you're carnivore now. It's like, it's, what is your why? What is your why? You know? Um, you have to realize, find out why you want to venture into this and you'll find what works best for you, you know? Absolutely. I, I'm glad that he has found something to where he has some relief. I mean, I know he still has some issues here and there and I feel terrible about that because I think Craig is the coolest guy. And like I said, I had the opportunity to talk to Craig and I thought he was just really an awesome person and and what man I've ever met yeah well y'all both are just awesome and what's interesting is y'all both went through so much health-wise 
And y'all went through some, some really bad, hard times and you've come out and, and, and look at y'all now. I mean, you just blossomed and, you know, y'all are so happy and, you know, doing, living the dream now where before there was a time where you weren't even sure you would be able to finish out the adoption of your boys. No, no, it was, I mean, it was definitely like, there's a lot of hardships that I'm very grateful I went through because it keeps me grounded. It really does. It makes me grateful for every day. It makes me want to give back to people that are also dealing with the same struggles that we do. I don't need, I don't need more stuff. I don't need, I don't like fancy purses. I mean, I don't like, I don't wear makeup. Like I, I don't need more stuff. I don't need more stuff. I'd rather help people blossom into having a family or whatever they're struggling with. But yeah, no, um, I was a rock climbing guide and we were in the adoption process and uh, Craig lost his job. And this was over 10 years ago because it was before we had kids. And with that job loss, um, when you're in the adoption process, if you have a job loss and insurance loss, all your headway, every dollar you put into that adoption goes back to zero, goes back to square one because they have to do all of that work again. They have to, you know, you have to do background checks and jobs and all that. So we just lost our headway with our adoption um, and we could no longer pay our house payment. Um, we ended up selling our cars and I was so depressed. And someone said, Maria, why don't you start writing your recipes to raise money for your adoption? And you can put it in a book, the local community will buy it. That was the goal. I, it gave me a reason to wake up. My goal was to sell it to, you know, the community that I lived in and some family members to help at least get our adoption going again. But it went gangbusters. Everybody was telling people. I never once spent a dollar on advertising to this day. Never once. And people just word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. This book's really great. And it kept going. And pretty soon someone was like, put it on Amazon. So Craig figured out how to get a barcode and we put it on Amazon. And it just all of a sudden, you know, that uh, Craig got a job, the adoption was going through. And um, the first baby we were placed with died of malaria. So it was just like, wow, like what the hell, you know, is this just like, and I was such a planner back in my days, way back then. I'm not anymore, <laughs> but everything that I planned was falling through, but honestly, it's been better than I ever thought. I still try, we tr still don't want to live beyond our means because losing a house was like so sad. I mean, and scary. I don't want to be at that point where, you know, especially now with children, like we were okay, just the two of us, but to have kids and not have a place to live is scary. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm grateful for those hardships because it makes me feel grateful for today. And for people like you that, you know, help spread the word. And I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think there is something to that, because that's just like uh, somebody who preaches a diet, but yet has never had to struggle. There's a difference. I'm not saying they're not great, and they don't have great things to say. But the, it is different when somebody has experienced 
experienced something and has come out the other side and is, is able to appreciate and talk about it. And I think that's huge. And I love that story about how you got started with writing. I just love that. Well, thank you. No, and a lot of people think, oh, you were always, you know, you never had a weight problem. I'm like, oh yeah, I did. I was twice my size. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had, I was given an antidepressant and acid blocker. Um, and I had IBS. So I was given a medication for that all at the young, young age of 16. And I worked at a coffee shop. This is kind of funny. I worked at a coffee shop where I would, I would go before school and I would make the scones and the cinnamon rolls and the muffins and all of that. And at the end of the day, what didn't sell, because I went back after school to work, finish, um, whatever didn't sell at the end of the day, I went home with. So guess what, Amber, I would make extra, I would make extra cinnamon rolls because I wanted some. Oh my God, that's hysterical. (laughs) But obviously like when I was diagnosed with all that, I was like, crap, all of this, if you look at, cause I was freaked out. They said, you can't have your own kids. I was like, wow, what am I, what am I doing? There wasn't the Google then I couldn't Google it. So I had to do my own research and find out what was causing PCOS. Cause my doctor said it was the dart cards I was dealt. It was nothing I was doing wrong, but obviously I drank mochas like they were going out of style cause they were free. And I lived off of crap. And so I had to really completely change and like, there's, there's no judging in my life, but I had to cut coffee too. Some people are like, Oh, Maria, you and your coffee. <laughs> I don't care what anybody else does, but with polycystic ovarian syndrome, excess caffeine causes too much androgens. So mm. if you really want to heal, you probably want to cut that out. I mean, it's just knowledge is power. I wasn't, I didn't cut coffee out until the very end. And it was probably, <laughs> I don't know, eight years ago. Not that long ago. Okay, I want to talk just a little bit about your boys. And I just want to say that I get a real kick out of seeing some of the videos you do with your sons and your recipes and how they're so involved. I think that is the coolest thing. And at some point, like I've asked you, I want to have all of y'all on, meaning your boys and Craig too, and talk to y'all as a family because I just love how y'all do things together and all the outdoors stuff. And these videos, the boys look like they're honestly having fun and they really want to be part of it. What what made you want to do that to begin with? Um, So the one criticism, and I'm all about constructive criticism, not saying I'm a witch when I hunt, but (laughs) constructive criticism like, your recipes are just a little too difficult. Okay. I can handle that because it makes me sit back and think, okay, I want to make this easier. And then I had children. I've realized how much time the average mother has to get food on the table or father, whatever, who's ever cooking. And I had a baby, a that needed more attention than most children because he was never held. And so he would cry whenever I put him down. So I constantly cooked holding him in a baby carrier. And then my toddler was jealous. So I had to hold his hand and I'm like, okay, I got one stir stick here. You know, how am I supposed to cook? But it made me start making very easy recipes. And then I realized people still think maybe they're too hard because it looks long. I was like, you know what? I have, I have an eight-year-old helping me. He's doing it watch him. He can do it. And I wanted people to be like, Oh, wow, that kid can do it. So can I, you know? And so 
that's kind of where it started. I wanted people to see how easy it was. And I wanted people to be inspired to teach their kids to cook because mm -hmm. nobody knows how to cook anymore. True story. You know? Like when you say, I remember writing recipes and my publishers were like, you can't just write hard boiled eggs. You have to teach them how to, I was like, who doesn't know how to hard boil egg? <laughs> you know, but you have to start from the basics because a lot of people don't know that. And, um, and that's okay, but that's what I want to teach you. I want to teach you the tricks on how to make a perfect hard boiled egg that peels really easy and all of that. And I, I do have one son that is so open and honest and funny, and he loves be, to be behind the camera. And then I want a little shyer, more shy. Um, so I don't push it on him, but he definitely has a smile that will, you know, get anybody's heart and want to uh, have you try the recipes for sure. And, uh, you know, one of them is, have you tried the hard boiled egg pudding? I have not, but I have heard so much about it. I, I will, I will do it. Even and I will probably video it. <laughs> even if it's for your granddaughter or something. Someday. Yes. yes. Um, what happened was, um, okay. So we adopted the boys and guess what happened? Craig lost his job again. That was with the very hard economic times. Um, you know, the big, uh, I don't know. There was a movie made off of it. Everybody was, you know, the, the banks were, you know, over promising. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so everybody was losing their job then. And it was right after we adopted and I'm like, Oh crap, you know, and I had a very picky son who didn't like eggs and what's the cheapest keto carnivore food eggs. eggs. And he didn't like scrambled eggs. He'd like nothing. So I was like, Hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a chocolate pudding. So I put hard boiled eggs into a blender um, with a couple other ingredients and people all over the world are like, this is sorcery. How is this tasting so good? Uh, I have to try it. And you know what else is really good? If you have any leftover, you can put it into popsicle molds and it makes fudgesicles. Oh. Like I grew up eating fudgesicles mm. and it's like super good. So uh, yeah, just getting creative in the kitchen and being open-minded to what different ingredients can do. Um, it's pretty cool. I would have never thought to blend up eggs and make pudding. I mean, what, I mean, what made you, I get that. Okay. Use eggs, find a way to do eggs, but how did pudding come into that? You know, I, it was just a natural thickener. And I wanted protein in this kid because that's the thing. If you want to talk about, you know, Ken's, can kill, children thrive on a keto diet? A lot of the studies say that they don't, but they're doing research with a therapeutic ketogenic diet. Children that have epilepsy, and I work with a lot of these children, they can't have too much protein because it could mm. bring on seizures. However, children that don't have epilepsy they need so much more protein mm. to grow for growth, for hormones, all of this. So I knew my children needed protein, but at the same time, I needed to save some money and I didn't want to use, you know, like protein powders or anything like that. Um, and eggs were just one way to make a pudding without protein powders, but thick and delicious. And uh, you could thin it out if you want to and make it into a shake, but um, the pudding was, it's, it's pretty decadent and it feels so wrong, but it's right, you know? 
I, I, I've got to try it. And I have been wanting to try it because it is so bizarre to me. I can't even put my mind around it. But I bet you anything, my granddaughter would love that. I've made she different flavors. I like chocolate. But she, she does? does? Yeah, she does. Yeah. She likes it like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, my children, you know, at the orphanage, they were fed things that changed their palate too. It's just you do what you can when you have them in your arms and, um, you know, just give up control when you don't have control and just teach them. Like, that's the thing, like, have my kids been bombarded with sugar? Yeah, but they came back very sick and they're like, I never want that again. Because wow. they realized that they would rather be fast and healthy and strong and feel good than to have a belly ache. And one time my son even threw up and he was like, I don't want to eat that sugar again. And I'm like, I think that's, you know, that's the time to teach your kids. Yeah, you can feel good and eat this delicious stuff, which they enjoy, or you can have this and probably not feel good for a couple of days. I love that, that you don't seem to impose your way of eating or whatever. It's like you serve as an example and you kind of make these things to where the boys are interested and they like it. And then now they make their choices. You know, they're going to be teenagers and there's going to be adults and I don't want them to totally rebel. I want them to be like, yeah, that's not worth it for 15 minutes of flavor in my mouth and feel crap for days not worth it it's not worth it and they like to be the fastest runner they're very competitive they like to be <laughs> the best football player and they know that they have an advantage because on non-covid non, -pre -pre -non years they play football and guess what all the other kids need a break when they're like what what's wrong i mean they're total keto kids they their energy is through the roof that's so important. And I think that's what so many people just don't really understand. And like when you said at the very beginning, it's crazy how so many people don't know how important it is what you put in your body. And I'll admit, I used to be one of those people I'd roll my eyes and go, okay, you know, whatever, you are what you eat. Okay, you know, and so I never really thought it, it was as important as it is. And now that I've come out on that other side, I'm like, what was I thinking? What exactly was I thinking? Because it is important. Totally. Okay, let me let me check the time real quick. Okay, I think we have just enough time. There's one thing that you put in one of your books, oxidative priority. And that has gotten so much attention, but yet people seem to be really confused about it. Is there a way that you can... Um, make it as simplified as possible and, and talk about what that is and, and what it means. Well, oxidative priority is what order your body prioritizes different fuel sources. Okay. So, and I broke it down into the main ones and I broke it down into alcohol, exogenous ketones, carbohydrates, proteins and fat. And then we get body fat. They're all different fuel sources that your body can use for fuel. If you have, if you drink alcohol, guess what? It's totally toxic. So it needs to burn that first. So if you have alcohol with a steak and potatoes and some butter on that, it is storing all of those because it's burning the alcohol. Okay. 
Am I judging people for drinking alcohol? No, I'm not. I was an alcoholic. I know I was you just like, that's the first thing is I was an alcoholic, but I drank way too much. So let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> I don't want to undermine what an alcoholic is. Um, that's just way, that's what it's burning because it's toxic. Okay. If you add in exogenous ketones, it will use that for fuel instead of what you're eating. Okay. It has to burn that next because that's the priority your body's going to take. It doesn't want too high of a ketones, you know, anything in excess, too much alcohol in your blood is going to kill you. Too much ketones in your blood will kill you. Too much glucose in your blood will kill you. Too much fat in your blood will kill you. Okay. So it needs to burn this fuel. I'm just trying to simplify it. Right. So how I feel about exogenous ketones are very expensive. And if you want to burn body fat for fuel, it's a waste of money. Just saying that. Okay. Um, don't kill the messenger. Just saying. <laughs> um, and then we get into carbohydrates. There are essential fatty acids. There are essential amino acids. There are no essential carbohydrates. Okay. So that's something you can cut out. Your body will make as much glucose as it needs from the protein that you eat. You don't need to eat any carbohydrates. Okay. So that's not needed. So we get rid of alcohol. We get rid of the waste of exogenous ketones. You get rid of those carbohydrates because these are just a waste of space in your belly, right? That's what my dad, my dad, my parents will make a whole bunch of vegetables and they're like, they knew I used to like like Brussels sprouts and stuff and they'll make me some and they're like, Maria, have some Brussels sprouts, you know, like they think it's so healthy. And I'm like, oh, dad, it's just a waste of space. <laughs> I agree now. Um, so then we get into protein. Now, protein is essential for beautiful hair. Like it's too hot when people limit their protein amounts, they, especially females that do that. They have hair loss, their thyroid will suffer. Your thyroid needs a lot of amino acids. There's so much, so many, like your muscles need amino acids for growth. You can't use fat to build muscle. It's just, the proof is if you are in a ketosis state, you use less branch chain amino acids. However, you can't build muscle on fat. Just, you're gonna use less muscle when you're in ketosis, but you can't build it. So you need a proper amount of protein, okay? And you can find that, I have a free macro calculator if anybody's interested on Maria Mind Body Health because the amount of protein you need, Amor versus me, is gonna be different because we have different lean masses, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get into fat. Now, fat is a lever. This is why I say, what is your why? What is your why? Because 99% of people I work with want to lose some weight, mm -hmm. all right? But there are a certain amount of people that have epilepsy or seizures or cancer, something else that is their why, and weight loss is not one of them. So guess what? Your fat lever, that last one, is going to change. If you want to lose weight, you're going to turn the fat dial down because you want to use your body fat for fuel. If you eat excessive dietary fat, you're going to use that for fuel instead of your body fat for fuel. You have a choice. And what's interesting is you look at these studies, whether you eat not, because I'm not saying eat no fat. Nobody said that. But if you eat 90 grams of fat versus 300 grams of fat, only about 10 grams is going to go to the stool. That's going to shoot out you. So people think that fat just shoots out you. It doesn't. And so that excessive fat goes to your bloodstream. And what did I say before? Too much fat in your bloodstream will kill you. Okay. So it has two fates. You're either going to use it for fuel instead of using your body fat, or it's going to go to your fat cells for storage. 
So when people are drinking, this is the problem, Amber, is why I wanted to speak about that in my books is I have these clients and I'll say, you know, tell me your diet, whatever. And they're like, okay, then Maria, I had a shot of MCT oil before bed because I didn't reach my fat percentage. Who the heck told you that was a good idea? You know, but they may read, they will read higher ketones and they think that that's a better fat burning mode. It's not. Higher ketones do not mean better fat burning. I totally agree with that now. I didn't get that when I was first keto and it was all about, you know, fat, 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 fat. You got to have lots and lots and lots of fat. Don't you dare eat too much protein. You just, you know, you just meet that line. That's it. Otherwise you're going to get kicked out of ketosis and blah, blah, blah. And so I bought into that. I mean, I did great. Don't get me wrong. It it did work for me uh, quite well um, until, you know, later on when I went into carnivore and all that other stuff. But some people get, I think, really confused with protein being in there as far as a fuel source. And I get some questions about that. Explain that just a little bit of, of why that was put in the list. Well, because there's three, there's three macronutrients. There's carbohydrates, fat, and protein. Those are the three things that food breaks down into. So it, it has to be a fuel source. I don't know why people wouldn't, I mean, you're eating protein. I wanted you to know what it does. And that's what I explain in the book. When you eat protein, it does this, it does X, Y, and Z. So you can't, I mean, even a vegan's getting some protein, you know, like when you eat that macronutrient, it's doing X and it's building muscle. It's, you know, doing so many things. It's giving the glucose you, that you need. Um, so fearing it, don't fear it. Um, and I'm not saying 400 grams of protein. I'm not saying drinking protein shakes, you know, like, but I'm saying you have to hit your protein goal if you want to maintain your muscle mass and feel good. And I'm not saying no fat. I don't want people to think that whatsoever, but to drink bulletproof coffee is a bad idea. Eat your food. Cause you know what else? The protein has the nutrients. You saw that chart, right? Of where mm-hmm. the nutrients are in different foods. Mm-hmm. It's not in the MCT oil. It's not in you know, a lot of the fats, they have some fat soluble vitamins, but if you're looking at all of the other nutrients that you want, that you take multivitamins for, they're in the animal protein, they're in the steak, you know, they're not. And so instead of drinking a bulletproof coffee for breakfast, why not have steak and eggs, you know, because it's going to register hormones in your brain Mm -hmm. that tell you that you're full. I could drink a lot of calories and I'm hungry like an hour later. Um, where if I chew a steak, it's very satiating. It takes time. It's enjoyable. I always prefer chewing calories over drinking them any day. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) That is one thing I learned for sure. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have one more question and this is kind of an interesting one out of all the books you've written, recipe books, everything, whatever, what is your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one is the art of fat loss. Really? I don't think I have that one. What? Well, I'll gift it to you. It's the art of fat loss. And it's because it's the most unique recipes and it's, it's a tool. So Amber, this book 
it's not something you eat every day, but you use it as a tool, maybe two times a week. And it really helps with getting the fat loss gone. And people are having such success from it. And wow. with the way, so with my PCOS background, losing weight was hard and I didn't lose weight for a couple of years in the beginning, but I stayed on the diet because I was, my depression went away. And then once I learned that I needed to prioritize protein and lower the fat, and that's where those recipes come from, um, people have really great success because I, I get really sad when people are like, yeah, I tried that keto diet and I just gained a bunch of weight. Well, yeah, you know, if you're doing fat fasts and fat bombs, you probably are going to do that. Yeah. And I see that with so many people. It's like, I cannot lose weight. Well, what do you, well, I'm eating all the fat. I'm, I'm like, eh, but that's why we get people like Jillian Michaels, which I don't really care that she talks bad about us. Cause it's just bringing light to the whole keto lifestyle, but they're talking bad about it because people are saying just eat all the cheese and the butter and the bacon. And that's all you need to live off of when I'm like, I'm not saying those are bad, but I'm certainly not going to live off of them either. So, yeah. and for some people, cheese is bad. I'm just putting it out there. We oh, yeah, whatever, I agree. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a more common allergen than gluten is, but nobody wants to admit that. No, no, that is so triggering. Holy cow. When I've done posts about, you know, that, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not demonizing it. I like it too. I don't really have any, but I, yeah. I like it. But people get triggered. That and coffee, those are the two things. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I know. And that's why knowledge is power. I do not judge anybody. There was a time I lived off of fruity pebbles. I don't, there's no judging in my life. Okay. But I do want to empower you plant a seed in your mind. Like, yeah, my blood sugar goes up when I drink coffee. Yes, it does for me too. And I also want people to know that dairy is a more common allergen than gluten is. Um, and that's why I wrote four books that are dairy free, including the art of fat loss. And I love that creamy texture. So I just create different foods and recipes that have that creamy texture that you want that gives you that satisfaction in your brain. That's awesome. I am going to do the pudding one. And I will have to try some recipes from that book for sure. I'll put it on video and put it out there. I think that'll be fun. And then uh, sharing it with my granddaughter. That'll be, that'll be a good test. It will so, be. Here's the secret. When you make it, use a good blender, like a real powerful one, and then keep it in the fridge overnight. Okay. Oh. So you make it ahead of time, put it in the fridge overnight, and then Ooh. she will never guess what the ingredients are. Very cool. I am going to do it. I really will. I promise. Okay. So we are out of time, but is there anything you wanted to uh, say to wrap it all up? Any advice, anything off the top of your head that you feel is important? Well, if anybody wants free recipes like the chocolate pudding, it's on mariamindbodyhealth.com. There's thousands of free recipes there. Uh, you don't have to buy a book. Um, I want people to be successful without you know, I know times are tough really not right now. So there's free recipes there. There's the keto calculator at mariamindbodyhealth.com too. That's awesome. Thank you. That, that's a great, I'll put all the information below and Hey, while y'all are here, subscribe to my channel and then yep. go follow Maria. I'll put all her stuff below. So not a problem. And Maria, thank you so very much for coming on. And there was so much I wanted to talk with you about that we didn't get to. So I've got to have you back. And of course, I want your whole family at some point when y'all, I know y'all are super busy, but when y'all get the chance, I'd love to have you back because I think you're fabulous. And, 
enjoy your time in Hawaii. I'm so jealous. I can't wait to. On. I'll, I keep watching you dance. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, yes. Love it. And I'm waiting for the whale pictures to start happening again. So. I know it's cold. First breach yesterday. They're just coming now. They're just coming. That's exciting. Okay. I, I expect some whale pictures because I look forward to that. <laughs> Thanks, I have Amber. to live vicariously through you. <laughs> anyway, well, have a wonderful day. And thanks again. Tell Craig I said hi. Well, thanks, Amber. Bye, Maria.